Welcome back to Screenfish Radio. I'm so excited you could join us for episode 201. Uh, this week we are talking about the return of Indiana Jones to the big screen on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And Destiny brings us great guests. As we have here with us tonight, Tim Rideout and Dave Voigt. Uh, Tim over at Mind Reels and of course Dave at In the Seats. Thank you gentlemen both for joining me. I appreciate it. Did I even leave? I know you. It's true. <laughs> you have a camper in the back and when I start recording just just comes in and oh, huh? you're always welcome. It's... Well, I'm just bummed because I thought we were like doing this in costume. I thought we were like doing the whole nine yards. I, I was ready. You know I was going to and then I realized <laughs> I don't have any costume so that you've already trumped both of us right? i'm ready tim wins <laughs> i need a new one but there it is <laughs> fantastic um for those of you who are unaware indiana jones returns to the big screen as the daredevil archaeologist races against time to retrieve a legendary dial that can change the course of history accompanied by his goddaughter he soon finds himself squaring off against jürgen voler a former nazi who works for nasa which is a fascinating sentence to say in and of itself. Um, as always, this podcast is rated S for spoilers. So uh, the the wheels are off for us, and, and just so you know. But uh, I am excited to hear what you both think of this one, because this, I think, is a quite divisive film. But I am really looking forward to hearing so. So what do you think of Dial of Destiny? Who's going first? Tim, please. Oh, I, th I thought you were kind of hiding and slinking there, Dave. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, overall, I like it. Um, I was troubled by Mangold's uh, directing of his action sequences. Mm. Um, I, I talked about in my review how the original trilogy, because even Spielberg seemed to lose the thread a little bit when it came to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, um, they were all, you could set your watch by the fact that every 20 minutes, you should have a set piece, a cliffhanger, something like that would be just, so it would be boom, you could time it and it would work every time. Raiders is perfect for that. Every 20 minutes, there's a huge action, action set piece. Mangled follows that, but his set piece, they're not, they didn't have any oomph for me. They didn't have any investment. I mean, the original trilogy was all about practical effects and stunts, and I get it. Harrison's in his 80s, so he's not going to be, you know, hanging literally off a tuk-tuk. But the action beats were just too quick, and I wanted to enjoy them a little more. I did like seeing Harrison Ford playing Indy as a much older man in the 60s. I thought that was a great look at this character who's like at the end of his life as opposed to at the beginning and trying to pass on this knowledge to a generation who really doesn't care about it. Um, that I loved. Like his performance is great. I just I didn't care for the action beats absolutely fair there's a lot there i want to unpack but i, I want to let dave go first dave, uh you, no, think? I, uh you know again i enjoyed the movie uh i outside of the opening sequence which i enjoyed i'm definitely with you on that one tim the the, the beats definitely felt a little more muted than maybe they have in in, in previous or at least the Spielberg iterations, like the good Spielberg iterations. We won't talk about uh, him jumping into a fridge and aliens and Kate Blanchett. That's for <laughs> we'll leave that for another day. 
but I mean, overall, it's definitely a nice way to sort of put a bow on the story because I mean, again, Harrison playing him as a bit more frail, a bit more fragile as someone who's acknowledging there's fewer days ahead than there were behind is definitely an interesting take for the character. And I mean, it's, it's, it works incredibly well. And I think for audiences, that aspect of it really does give audiences closure for the fact that, you know, let's face it, they're not going to try to reboot this. They're not going to put somebody young in there and do it again. This is done. Period. Like, this is the last one. It's over. Well, okay. I mean, that's a question, too. Is it? I mean, it is for him. But I didn't necessarily get the sense that it was. But I mean, that's I I, I don't know. I, I the way that they they carry this, I felt like it could have carried on, but it doesn't need to. But I mean they've wrapped up him. It's it's interesting. I see I'm actually pleased to hear even a wave of positive from you both because the overwhelming voice I'm hearing is that why did you do this? Um, it, and and that, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's such a wildly different film and than, than any of the others. And it is, I mean, I, I agree with people that say, I don't know how, if you feel this way or not, the series should have finished at Last Crusade. It, the, the title is Last Crusade. And it they, ends with them riding off into sunset. It's a beautiful finale. Uh, I could have left it there, but as soon as they oh, brought we, we all Steve, we all could have, <laughs> but I mean, we can't put that genie back in the bottle. You know what I mean? But but that's what I mean. Is as soon as they brought back this crystal skull, they had to have another one to finish it because I don't understand. People are like, oh, you know, crystal skulls. I've heard I would run one review that said we don't know how good we had it with crystal skull. <laughs> No, 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 no. You also do have to realize that, and I mean, this is spoilers for out people out there listening. Most people who do the jobs that we do are surly cranks who just want to write you nasty things about, you know, people ruining their childhood and all that other stuff. And then, you know, talk about movies. I mean, I talk about movies that people haven't seen. We all talk about movies that people haven't seen. But, you know, they think... Like this is a this is a, not a movie that no one will see. This is a movie that everyone will see. And I mean, the reality is, is it iconic sort of Raiders Last Crusade? Is it in that pantheon? Hell no. It's not even in Temple of Doom pantheon. But it's a it's a decent movie. It's a it is. good movie. Yeah. I mean, I always love the people who sort of badmouth something like The Godfather Three. The Godfather 3 is not a bad movie, but when you put it next to 1 and 2, it's definitely lesser. It's just one of those things that we have to be reminded of that like these movies have to stand on their own and in sort of their bubble. I mean, I don't think one movie or even two movies is going to destroy the the goodwill of a franchise that has sustained for so very long. I mean, you know, We've had, you know, plenty of mediocre Star Trek adaptations, but oh. I mean, once in a while they come up with a fantastic one and then, you know, we keep going. But it's like, it's just one of those things where 
you can't recapture what was, but it's important to appreciate what is. And I think with this Indiana Jones movie, they've given us a nice reminder of what the character is and allowed us to have a very human moment with him as he sort of acknowledges his frailty and the realities uh, that he is slowing down and mm -hmm. his adventures are not going to be for him anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I felt it. I wonder what you both think of this, but this is sort of my theory. If you just go with one, three, and five to drop the others, drop temple, drop crystal skull, you have a fascinating character arc of, of, uh, of Jones himself from, from the young impetuous one to the son to now older than his father. It's actually a very interesting hmm movement of character we see different sides of him i guess you see different sides of him in sort of every film but you see him as a father in the fourth one but he's it, it's just a bad movie like well, I, I mean temple of doom is the only one that doesn't really have any kind of thread to to the arc of who he was because i mean tim you probably remember this better than i do but i mean wasn't if we go strictly by timeline yeah <laughs> Wasn't Temple of Doom technically more of a prequel? Oh yeah, it was thirty-five and and yeah. six. So thirty-five, he's supposed to be even younger and more impetuous, and he's all concerned with fortune and glory, kid. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. And and by the end, of it of course, his little arc is to realize that maybe it's not about fortune and glory, but you know, helping you know people by giving back the Shankara stones, which makes no sense because then he just goes and grave robs like the Quichen Temple, steals the Ark steals the cup yeah so i don't know i don't think he learned anything but i still love him <laughs> um i know the tone of this one is obviously very different um let's look at some positives here what do you think that mangold does well in this film well, we we can talk about the things we we don't like or whatnot but what do you think he does well that fits the the legacy here i i would say it's the character development oh god yeah it's it's Harrison sort of acknowledging his age, yeah, and then Phoebe Waller Bridge coming in as the goddaughter, uh, to sort of keep the energy up, to keep sort of that swashbuckling, sarcastic wit going. Because I mean, if anything, she's the one who sort of embodied the bravado of the character from the original films in this one more than anything. Like this one. This was Harrison holding on for dear life, trying to to do what's right and trying to sort of restore what needed to be restored. But we still got the energy from her as opposed to him. Mm. It was it was a transference of of the the joie de vivre, I guess it, it would be, of especially of this franchise. I like uh, I personally like like the quieter moments in the film. Like as soon as the nineteen forty four sequence ends. And we get that jump cut to 69 and yeah. laying there in the chair and you get the pan across the apartment. You can see the state in which he's living. You get the little nods with the pictures and that stuff. He's got like a empty glass in his hand. So, you know, he's been drinking. He's just, he's, he's tired and he's old. And I love those little quieter moments where you can just see that, okay, maybe he's not the same guy we left. Even at the end of Crystal Skull, he's older now. And, and I just, I love that. I mean, and then he turns into like, the cranky old guy get off my lawn and i'm gonna you know turn down that music i'm like i can totally relate to this character now because <laughs> he's, he's gone through some stuff he's yeah. had hardships he's 
he's taken his hits and they've they've put him down for a while opposed to sort of the indie that we knew from temple of doom who would just you know you know take the hits and keep on coming right i mean what he was with the ss and then during world war ii and then you know finally got back together with marion at the end of number four and then you know we get the huge kick with the with the reveal of what happened with mutt and i'm just like that's yeah man it kicks him and it keeps him down for a while for sure he's not even a happy teacher anymore he's just doing his job you you know one of the things and i'm gonna go back to crystal skull here for a minute i I don't mind the fridge i'm not gonna lie i don't mind everybody makes fun of the fridge it's not the moment I hate. It, I, the moment I hate most in that film is grab the rope. Yep. Well, no, mine is Tarzan, you know. Oh, the monkeys is bad the monkeys. too. Yeah, the monkeys is bad. But but grab the rope and, and you know say grab the rope is so absolutely juvenile for a character who's in his <laughs> you know in his sixties at that point, even yeah. though he was in his seventies, and it's like. I, what bothered me about Crystal Skull wasn't even necessarily the, I didn't like the, like the last third of it. I'm like, this whole thing is ridiculous. But the tone of it didn't match him. Yeah. It, it felt like if it had been made in, or, or the time, if it had been made in 1996, you know, seven or six or seven years after Last Crusade, if we're going to do it, let's do it this way. Like, I, I feel like it would have felt more on brand with an era, but it just felt like it, it just didn't match. And that's what I appreciated about this film is they they actually let him be an older gentleman. And they didn't, I, I didn't want to see him swinging from rooftops. You know, I'm glad they did the, I'm, I'm glad they did that opening scene with the, the CGI face. Yeah. David and I were joking. It is a little jarring to have the the eighty year old growl and the thirty year old face, but I was glad they had that because it was like, okay, this is this is Indiana Jones right here. But then they give you this 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 really fascinating character look to say that's who he was, but this is what happened to him. This is where he is now, and I think and all I could think of is no one's going to like this. But this is what he should do if he's going to do one. And as somebody said that, well, why'd they bring him back uh, to 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 do this? I said because the last one didn't do this. Yeah, I I just felt the the issue with the last one was its tone. Yeah, and that's why I really appreciate what Mangold did. I I get what Spielberg and and Lucas were trying to do. They were trying to move like the genre from the serials to like the fifties movies, the atomic bomb. Yeah. Yeah, You're totally right. The tone was completely wrong for it. It could have been done better for sure. But yeah, I mean, Mangold, like I said, handles all the, the narrative and the drama really well. It's just, I didn't care for the action beats. Cause I mean, it like in this one, he's not the action hero he's not the comic book hero he's not the serial hero he is a human being yeah he's acknowledging his mortality he is he knows like he knows what life has taken from him and it's it's not it's beaten him up and like he this is a man who isn't sort of swinging like we've like we've said swinging into danger without a care in the world he owns his regrets they're sitting on his shoulder like a ton of bricks 
And this is his life now until this opportunity comes along with Phoebe Waller to, to maybe get one or two of those monkeys off his back. Mm. It's, 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 it's human, but it's redemptive at the same time. It's For not sure. trying to restore Indiana. It's trying to give Indiana a little bit of peace of mind. Yeah. Although to be fair, he did get his ass kicked a lot in the other films too. Well, this, yeah. So he's always gotten beaten up and, and that's the great thing is you get to see him get beaten up and get up again. And this time he's, he's a little slower to get up. And, and I love that. I mean, and that is part of my thing with the action sequences, like the tuck tuck chase is a perfect example because he does that whole swing from the one tuck tuck into the other. And I'm like, well, that was just way too fast to enjoy for starters. And should he be moving that fast? He's 80 something. So yeah, I mean, I liked it. I did like it a lot. I just wanted more. There was way too many visual effects. I mean, keep it practical where you can. But again, I think a part of that just goes to the realities of, you know, oh, shooting the and actor hate. and the man, you know, like, you know, back in the 80s, he could he could do a lot of that practical stuff. Now it's right. not so much, yeah. which I get. I totally respect it. But I'm also like, ah, I just needed a little more oomph from that. I wanted to see him get punched and knocked down and, you know, slowly get back up. <laughs> yeah. I also appreciated the fact that the finale doesn't end with a thing that melts a face <laughs> <laughs> or, or something. Put, that put something in a I, warehouse I can't remember how that, Temple yeah, yeah. ends, but I know that the other three, I can't remember how Temple ends, but I remember the other three and they all end up with some form of somebody melting. Yeah. Um, and I thought, this is interesting. I, I, I don't know how, there are some things about this I don't know how I feel about, but Mangold, you, on the last one, you decided to do something different mm. as opposed to what has become tradition, right? Yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like the idea of the ending. Uh, my problem was with the fact that he said he'd been thinking about this place his entire life. I'm like, well, no, you've really been thinking about this since the beginning of the film. This is the first time I've ever heard you mention Syracuse. And so that was kind of, I had an issue with that. I do love the fact that they reveal that, you know, huge spoilers that that Dial of Destiny only goes to that one point in time. I love that. So it's like he's calling for help. And I thought that was brilliant. And yeah, just there are moments I really like about that. And then you you either buy into it or you don't. And that's exactly what you have to do with the rest of the Indiana Jones films. And much like the rest of the Indiana Jones films, especially Raiders, he's almost a non-participant in his own film. Like everything that happened in the last 15 minutes of Raiders was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Whether he did anything or not. And it's kind of the same thing here with, you know, Helena kind of knocking him out when he decides to stay there. And, and I mean, that's the, that's the divide. Yes. Because what we suspended and never really picked up on with Raiders and what initially made us fall in love with the character has become glaringly obvious now at the end of the fifth one he is an observer of these moments mm. he is not a participant of these moments and i mean again I th and a lot of that goes back to just the fact that he is an archaeologist he is a scientist he is not the guy who is supposed to change anything he's just supposed to be there to catalog it mm. and acknowledge it and make sure other people know about it because it belongs in a museum yeah yeah 
don't 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 take the cup past the crest you know it's that message is throughout all of these films that at the end of the day he's a spectator but again that's by design well you know herein lies a question i think one of the, the deepest question within the film and that is to me does the world still need indiana jones because i and I'm, i don't mean harrison ford uh you know I, I mean indiana jones as a character um do you think because this film you know you it, it's funny tim you say you know he that's that's the line this belongs in a museum now he's the one that belongs in the museum in this film he's he is the uh, the ancient artifact to be found oh man now i get to make a really old school reference now he actually is the George Hall Indiana Jones from the Indiana Jones Chronicles, which yeah. we know actually happened because you know he talks about how he rode with Pancho Villa, which he did in the first episode. Oh my God, look at these references just coming out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think Harrison just lives has to live long enough to kind of reshoot all the George Hall Indiana Jones stuff <laughs> around those and just kind of insert them into the film or rather the series. Yeah. I'm still waiting for those to show up on my Disney Plus. I loved those when they were on. I don't know why they're not there. Yeah. Uh, I rewatched them all a couple years ago, and they're actually, some of them are really surprisingly good. They are. They are, especially, I uh, I forget who plays him as a teen. It's uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. That's it. Jean, yeah. yeah. Patrick Flannery. Yeah, Sean Patrick. Um, but, uh, but do, what do you think about the character of Indiana Jones today? Uh, do you, because I, I, I'm not sure that that character works in 2023 in the same way that it did in 1981. The character, I would agree with mm. you. But the reality is the spirit of what he is about is absolutely vital. Nice. Sort of the quest for knowledge and the quest for truth and sort of acknowledging these things and, I mean, and understanding right and wrong and just really allowing sort of an expansive knowledge of history be it who we are who we were mm -hmm. how people believe such and so on and so forth yada 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 the spirit of that i think is definitely something that's vital and definitely could be carried on into different films mm -hmm. but i mean i think the second you put you know indiana jones and the dot 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 beside whatever next project they decide to do they're screwed Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, if they want to shrink it, like an Indiana Jones adventure, you know, something. They can't brand it as Indiana Jones anymore because yeah. the reality is we have we have said goodbye to Indiana Jones with this movie. The spirit of what he was all about and his life's work, I think definitely can continue on in some way, shape, or form in a myriad of other stories. But the actual character himself has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he does remind us that it's always okay to punch a Nazi. So that's, <laughs> and that message right now is so important. That's right. Well, you, you know, it's interesting though, because I, there were some things I thought was fascinating about this one, because for like Indy's always at his best when he's punching Nazis. His best films are punching Nazis and looking for religious artifacts. They're just the best ones. Like, to me, 
uh, as Raiders and, and Last Crusade, they give you a little of that at the beginning of this film. And and then they, they juke on it. It's very interesting. It's like, oh, well, we've got this, this was it the dagger? And it's like, oh, oh it's Oh, the spike uh, of Longinus. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's, it's fake. Weird. And then they, they switch, you know? Um, and, and when they fast forward, I love that they set him in 1969 because like he goes out of his house and he goes down one street and it's a celebration of the moon landing and he goes down the next and it's a protest. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, and, and, and he's told like mathematics is the new religion, you know, this is Archimedes is dial. It's all about math. And I just, I, he feels like a guy who's out of time, no pun intended here, but he's just like, he's not in the era he belongs anymore to me. And I think um, that happens almost subconsciously just from John Williams' score. Like he front loads the score in the first film, like, or rather in this film during the 1944 sequence, there are lifts from obviously the, the marches in there, but um, in the belly of the steel beast, there's, selections from that there's stuff from uh the nazi themes from raiders i mean there are little nods to all of these things to kind of suck you back into like the the nostalgia and the memory of it and then as soon as we jump to 69 williams is introducing all new themes all new ideas the raiders march is a little slower it's yeah it's it's all meant to jolt you and say this guy's different now and it's a different time and it's a different world yeah i love that I actually I hadn't even noticed that about the soundtrack. I'm glad you brought that up because that's fascinating. I had noticed that the the Raiders March is is just a few paces behind. Yeah. It's a little sadder now, actually. Oh, wow. oh yeah. Um it, it's so it, even it's funny, even you know, with uh uh Helena, it's Helena, right? Helena Shaw yeah. is uh Phoebe Waterbridge. Yeah. yeah. And and the the kid who's with them felt to me like there's a whole lot of conversations going on about how outdated almost like the other movies are. You know, the kid is not short round. He's not a he's not a a, a limited stereotype. You know, she's a, a a woman who's in control, and the women in the films are notoriously not. Uh, you know, it's always saved by Indy. And Indy's sort of being saved by by her mm -hmm. in, in many points of the film. Yeah, no, I like that. Well, I mean, that's the whole idea, really, that it hit a point where Indy needed to be saved. Mm. Which is why, you know, she knocked him out, which is why we got Karen Allen back, which is why all of this unfolded. This really was... Indy needing to not be sad anymore. He needed a little bit of redemption yeah. Yeah. to to remember who he is and what he was because with everything that life had thrown at him, he had forgotten that. I, I don't know. Did he forget or did he regret? I, I, honestly, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, because uh, yeah, he just seems like he doesn't want to think about those days anymore. But it's the pain of it, right? It's not, he's not trying to relive the glory days. All he can think about is the pain that his previous iterations of his life have brought him now. No, yeah, but no. I mean, to, to, to your point, I mean, especially with the ending, 
while it is a little ridiculous on the surface, I mean, I think Tim makes a made a great point. Just when really we get down to the reasonings of why we're there and what's happening, it really is such a brilliant kind of of turn to the, I guess, the mortality of the character for sort of the understanding of who he is and what he was. And and that moment is really this really kind of beautiful encapsulation of what it meant to be Indiana Jones, because he's not there to change things. He's not there to get involved. He just wants to sit back and watch it. And to him, that would be a perfect ending. Yeah. But again, it's the ending by himself. It's not the ending with anybody else, which obviously at the end of the movie we see is much more redemptive as opposed to just sad indie. Yes. We, want, we, we want redeemed indie as opposed to sad indie. Yeah, we want to leave him in a good place. And I think that's why so many are going to struggle with this. Because I think that so many don't want that. I don't, I don't think they want him to be in a, left in a bad place. I just don't think they want him to be 82 years old. Well, th therein lies the rub. I mean, you and I were talking about this. I mean, people in their 40s and up will love it. People in their 40s, you know, south of their 40s will go, what the hell? This is definitely a movie. This is not, this is not a movie for the TikTok generation. Oh, no. No. This is for the 35s and ups. This is for the international audiences. This is that kind of blockbuster popcorn movie. Yeah, to, to me, this is a film like for people who actually care about Indiana Jones. Yes. yes. That's like, this is not a film that's trying to get you to be interested in Indiana Jones. That's. Oh, no, that 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 has already been accomplished. <clears throat> What be people being interested in Indiana? Jones? Yeah, we like yes. we we love it. Not... We know he's going to punch a Nazi in the face. That's the charm. We're already sold on on the magic of Indiana Jones. What this film gives us is the humanity of Indiana Jones. Yes. Oh, very much so. Yeah. It probably lays him lays his character the most bare we've ever seen him. Um. Which is really nice. Which is why it's, and I mean, it's also one of, I mean, probably Har one of Harrison's best performances since, uh, I don't know, Witness. Ooh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's, that's going favorite. back kind of deep. I mean, Harrison is a good actor, but he's never been that guy. Yeah, to give you layers, he's basically done iterations of being Harrison. Now with this performance. And particularly with some of the other stuff he's been doing lately, we're we're really getting to see just him not giving a damn, mm -hmm. which is kind of charming, and allowing more insight and more sort of nuance to his varied performances. Yeah, it, it's so true. Fun. It's true. Shrinking is a phenomenal series. Oh God, yeah. Just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, and and he's a huge part of that. Yeah. huge reason for that um it, it's funny my favorite scene in last crusade which you know when that movie came out it was like one of the first really big movies like eye-opening movie experiences that i i sort of felt like it sort of shook me right um 
And, and my favorite scene is when they're sitting on the blimp before, like pre fight of the Nazis. And he's got, he's sitting there with his dad and he doesn't, and his dad's like, he's, he's like, well, I, you know, let's talk. Oh, I'm here now. <laughs> well, what do you want to talk about? You know, he's doing it in, but it's like, it's like a two minute scene. Yeah. Yeah. But it's my favorite part of the movie. And it's like the most honest moment. And Harrison's characters in, in his action films don't get a lot of those. I think historically, like they, they're there, but it's like, those are the ones that I think are the most interesting. And it just happens to be that Dial of Destiny is mostly that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when, you know, when they brought Han back in 7, 8, and 9 for Star Wars, we never quite got that. There was a sense of regret. There was a sense of sort of the, you know, the regrets of the past and what's happened and how they're going to fix it. But we never really got the the emotional gravitas out of it here we get we get indy as a man not as an action hero it's yeah. it's indy you know it's junior the human being yeah. stripped down stripped bare you know with the empty glasses around his apartment you know getting ready making his coffee on the way to work you know putting a belt of whiskey in there and it's it's again it's it's sad indie and i mean younger audiences won't necessarily want sad indie because they will want the nostalgia they'll want the action they'll want the wisecracking which we get mostly with phoebe waller bridge's character but here we get an indie who has a sense of more of his own mortality yeah. for which for us older audiences we can go yeah oh damn okay you know mm -hmm. Because, I mean, we're all of a certain age. We all hit a certain point when we go, oh, wait a minute. We're kind of getting older now. <laughs> yeah. I'd like, to, I'd like to ask about the ending just real quick for the moment. Because I, I am fascinated with that final moments. How do you feel about them in, in ancient Greece? And that final conversation with, with Helena. And the punch. Because... That to me is such an interesting choice. Like he has made his decision and I'm, and I'm waiting for him to say, all right, all right, I'll come back. And she decks him and he's, he's knocked out. And I just would love to know uh, what your feelings are on that moment. Cause it's such an interesting way to end the film in a lot of ways. I, I dug that beat, actually, because um, as much as I get that he's the archaeologist and he's a historian and, yes, apparently want, always wanted to see Syracuse, um, I love the fact that she saves him once again. Like, she saves him from the trap of the past, which is where he's been stuck this entire film. Yeah. He's been stuck with his regrets and is stuck in the literally stuck in the past. So she's like, no, we kind of still need you. Like, he he's her godfather, so she decks him saves them and kind of helps you know bring the uh the marriage kind of back together which is important and a great touch and yeah i, th I thought it was a great moment because that's what indy would have done to somebody else in another film exactly yeah he would have it was him needing his own medicine it, yeah. was, it was him being told that the world is better off with you in it than without it yeah 
see that okay that is interesting though you you've both put this into a different context for me i was i found it a little strange a little uncomfortable because i honestly thought that he would be something that he would it's interesting like he says who needs me and she doesn't say i do or we do she doesn't say anything she just goes like she sort of looks at him and hints it but she never says it and now i don't we don't need to be verbal and i it's certainly understood but i just thought it was such an interesting beat like it, it was sort of like well i you know i kind of do and then he says no and bam and uh but you've totally reframed it for me because i kind of wanted him to say all right i guess like sort of acknowledge that but you're both right this is what indy would have done to someone else and says i need to well this belongs in a museum i need to bring this with me I, that's completely that's completely reframed it for me i appreciate you're that because even asking you know whap you know yeah. <laughs> do it yeah, like I, I, I wondered what those I wonder what those conversations were like uh, in developing that scene, because it, it it is such a unique way to me to end the franchise, to end his character. Now, she comes back and she helps him put the pieces back together. Absolutely. She does. She says, I'm not the only one. Here's the people that need you and, and, and shows it. But um, it really is. It's, it's such an interesting moment. Uh, it's a much better than an alien going like that, but <laughs> it's like giving you the stink eye. Um, but again, she that's, that's what Marigold the, does. Anyway, go yeah, ahead. She, she has restored the fantastically interesting historical piece that is Dr. Indiana Jones and, and put him back in his right place rather than letting the shards or the pieces yeah. get covered up by dirt, dust, time, what have you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I will say this too. I like that the film, I think it might have been you and I talking about this, Dave, when we came out of it. For a movie that could have dove into the nostalgia and swam in it, it doesn't. Nope. Not it, it references other films. It does its it does its things, you know, but it, it could have gone a lot heavier, you know, for crying out loud, even again, Crystal Skull, which makes me wince even saying the two words. You know, it's like, uh-oh, here's the arc. Oops. And it's like, there it is there. You missed it. And it's like, they didn't do any of that. And I loved that about it. I was like, yes. Um, I, I, Mangold resisted. And I don't think Spielberg could have resisted. They learned. I mean, I think even if you would push Spielberg and Lucas about that point, I think they'd even realize, okay, we pushed it a little too far on the last one. So, so is is this the movie Spielberg could not have made? Hmm. That's an interesting question because yeah. had he had a had him and Lucas had a bit more perspective and just time because if you've got to remember like if we pull up their imdbs and we look at sort of the 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 trajectory of the stuff that he was producing during that time frame spielberg was going a mile a minute 
they were just like, you know, something's in pre-production, something's in post-production. He's shooting like it was boom, 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 boom. He was outputting at a gargantuan pace. And it wasn't always a good thing. I mean, I don't think Spielberg's made any quote unquote, oh, that was a horrible movie. But he's made some that were definitely not great. And I mean, I think that just comes part and parcel with just, especially (laughs) when it comes to Hollywood, it's so easy to get sort of swept up in the machine and sort of making another story and, oh, people want it. And, oh, Lou George has an idea and this, that, or the other, and then pushing it through and getting it done. I think them getting into, uh, you know, Crystal Skull was almost born out of the the creation of a product and sort of extending the shelf life of a product as opposed to making a good movie whereas this had enough separation that they could put more time into making a good movie i i will say this about spielberg he is now he's earned the right to do this spielberg is arguably one is inarguably one of the greatest directors i think of all time for sure um but uh his last three films are nostalgia fests yeah um ready player one mm-hmm. uh west side story and the fablemans yeah are ready player one has every reference to almost everything embedded in it and that was the fun of it uh, West Side Story is an older film remade, and Fablemans is a nostalgic story. I don't know if he would have been able to resist it on uh, on this one the same way. I don't know. I mean, even as a director, he's he's kind of slowing down in a good way. He's taking his time on his projects now, so maybe much like Harrison, he's he might have had that perspective, mm. you know, and maybe he could have stepped away and said, you know what, yeah, that's let's focus on the character let's do this let's you know tighten this up and explore this a little more because he's definitely leaning more towards character driven work now than you know his early blockbusters no because i mean if you go from say let's say you know let's say the peak of spielberg which is like 93 with jurassic park and schindler's lists and then lost world and then amistad saving private ryan uh ai which obviously gets underrated minority report catch me if you can terminal war of the world war of the world and then munich which was obviously such a a creative and really compelling piece like to me munich is probably spielberg's best film and i mean i know that's saying a lot but to me it definitely is and it definitely felt to me coming off of something like that which he was very emotionally invested in like Okay, what am I going to do next? All right, well, doing an Indiana Jones movie, that's a layup. I can direct an Indiana Jones movie in my sleep. Yeah. Which he kind of did, quite frankly, on that (laughs) one, but, you know. it's I've never heard it put that way, but that is an accurate description. (laughs) (laughs) He mails that bad boy in, and I hate saying that about Spielberg, but he did. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the 80s, he had such a, like, from Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T., which was 81, 82, and then 
you know, Temple of Doom, which was so much fun, and he was involved in amazing stories. And then he would go for his Oscar with Color Purple and Empire of the Sun, and then go back with Last Crusade. And then there's stuff like Always, and then Hook, and then obviously he gets audiences back with Jurassic, and then wins his Oscar with Schindler. And then it, it's really such an interesting thing when you see sort of the peaks and valleys of his career. Indy was definitely sort of the the ramp back up to to be what he was because i mean obviously then after that he had like tintin warhorse which i wasn't in love with but i understand why people loved it uh lincoln which is very much an oscar bait kind of movie and then bridge of spies which i loved again which i thought is a really good movie you you can kind of see the peaks and valleys of of the stories that he does there's always a certain degree of nostalgia but you the interest and sort of the emotional connectivity of it is always going to be varying a little bit. I mean, something like The Post. It's a darn good movie. Love that movie. But is he emotionally invested in that story? A little bit. I mean, I would say he's more emotionally invested in West Side Story, if only because it was probably a very formative for film for him coming up as a director. I would argue that he was heavily emotionally invested in The Post because it came out in 2017, the first year of the Trump era. This was a response to the Trump era administration to me. Because that's all, because isn't it, isn't that one the one about uh, Nixon? Is that the one about the Nixon tapes or something? Isn't that what the post is? It's been a long time since I've but seen it. It's the battle between press and government. But I mean, you've got to remember these stories are in development for years before he takes them on. You know what I mean? So I don't know how long the script was sitting around, but it's true. Like the timing always tends to work out, but you you can never say it's directly born thereof. But I mean, again, to me in watching the post, it again, it, it felt like him wanting to make his own version of all the president's men and try to sort of delve into that space, which he does fairly well. I mean, the post is a very good movie, but do we sort of, Put it in the pantheon of Spielberg movies that we all love and remember. No. Not so much. No. No. Uh, I agree with that. But I th- I I felt like there was a a bit of a a fury in that one in his and it looks like he started directing he he they got the rights in October 2016 uh, when the world was on fire. So I mean there was there I I I I mean again like you said timing works out but the. Uh, the, to me, there was a bit of fire in that one from him um, because of the because of the timing. But I, I know what you're saying, and it's not the film I, anybody's going to remember Spielberg for. Nobody's sitting around saying, "But the Post," um, you know. Uh, but it is good. It is good. Um, it's uh, yeah. I I I am. I am pleasantly surprised, I would say, with going back to Dial of Destiny, and I don't know what it would look like with Spielberg's hands on, and that's not a shot at Spielberg. Uh, I just, I'm glad that they brought in Mangold, especially after what he did with Logan. Um, This was Indy's Logan, if you will, in a lot of ways. But it still felt like an indie film, for the most part, to me. I agree. 
Well, gentlemen, this is. I'm going to oh, see it again. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. What was that? Um, I said I'm going to see it in the theater again. Yeah. I likely will too. I mean, especially with the the writer strike and uh, the Im potentially impending actor strike. Uh, I got to feel Indiana Jones is going to hold screens for for uh, quite some time, to be quite honest, and deservedly so. Well, I mean, I, we've already said it, but let's say it for officially uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Destiny, screen it or skip it. Should people pay their their money to go see it um, in theaters? Heck yes. See it twice. See it, you know, once to enjoy it and then the second time to absorb it. You know, pick out all the little things you missed. Because I love all the little information that's in there. Like, they give us his middle name, and I can't remember what it was now, so I'm like, I have to see it again. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's totally fun. Totally see it on the big screen. Yes, but understand the indie that we're getting. If you're going for the 100% nostalgia if you want to sort of relive the glory days or Raiders of the Lost Ark, you're not quite getting that here. As we've said very kind of eloquently in so many different forms, we're getting a, a reclamation of of the Indiana Jones character and, and we're seeing him as a human being who is who's not necessarily the one who has to go out and help everybody, but now he's getting help from the the people who are in his orbit and his universe to to save the day and do the right thing and i mean i think that's the magic of this film because again it gives us indiana jones as as being mortal and not as someone who's supposed to just pop off the screen as this amazing character that we've all known and love it'll it, it gets us emotionally invested in the man indiana jones and i mean i've said it before and i'll say it again i definitely think this is one of the best performances of harrison ford's career it's not something where he's going to win an oscar or be nominated for anything like that but he definitely understood and appreciated the gravitas of giving this character a proper send-off yeah yeah that's what that's where i'd say i i i thought it was a blast i just funny I've had the opposite feeling between this and I've said this before with this and the flash, because the more I think about the flash, the angrier I get about the flash, the more <laughs> this, the more I appreciate it. I'm like, they're both nostalgia fests. And I'm like, now I, I came out of flash and I was like, Oh, that was kind of fun, but wait, no, I, I didn't like that. And this one, I came out of it and I went, oh, that was interesting. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. Um, but I, this, this is not an Indiana Jones film like any of the others. It's not trying to set you up for the next adventure. It's trying to take you on the last adventure. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that maybe aren't shouldn't bother because that's if they're not willing to go for like you said this this more character performance and actually sit and take the movie for what it is you're gonna hate it and if you don't know about indiana jones and you don't care about indiana jones you're gonna say well, i don't know if you're gonna like it 
but I do well, think I mean, this this is the big problem because we've been so conditioned to turn off the character driven action movie. And I mean, while obviously, you know, with the Marvel iterations and I mean, even some of the DC stuff, we've gotten some good character work. It's been more and more about the spectacle. I mean, to me, especially with something like this, Indiana Jones is almost sort of the antithesis of a of a Batman or a Spider-Man character because on one end, when we look at something more cartoonish and more outlandish, like a Batman or a Spider-Man, we get invested in the theme of, of what they stand for and who they are. And as much as Indiana Jones has a theme and stands for something, he is still indelibly tied to, to Harrison Ford. This yeah. is not a Bond situation. This is not a Batman or a Spider-Man or a comic book character situation. I truly think this is one of those intellectual properties and ideas that as much as they'll want to try to reboot it or reinvent it or reimagine it, they can't. Because it, it goes down to just the character work from the individual that we've gotten. I mean, honestly, in these sort of big budget, you know, uh, nine figure, hundred plus, you know, 200, 200, $300 million movies. I genuinely, truly think there's only a handful of actors who have captured characters so well that we never want to see anybody else play them. I mean, I think that's part of what made something like The Flash so interesting because we didn't give a goddamn about The Flash. But we're like, holy crap, Michael Keaton's back. And that's part of, there was part of that there for that. It's 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 such a really strange dynamic. I mean, I think I'm not even kind of talking myself in circles thinking about it, but it's such a weird thing to see on screen because I can't really fathom anybody else putting on a, a fedora and picking up a whip and playing this character because it's just not going to work if you don't care about this character this is not going to be a film that makes you want to go back necessarily and watch the other ones i i feel like this is a film where you actually have to be invested and say i want to see what happens to this guy but unless people are prepared for that i think there's gonna be a lot of people disappointed which this they shouldn't is, this be. it's because not... i think it's great this is not something that is selling you on the idea of Indiana Jones. That's what I'm sorry. This is already established that you know who and what Indiana Jones is. Gentlemen, this has been so much fun. Let's hear from you both. Uh, Dave, why don't you tell us where people can find you? Well, as always, you know, if you don't already know, my name is Dave Voigt and I'm the editor and uh Publisher over at In the Seats, InTheSeats.ca, for all the latest and greatest in the world of film, television, basically the moving image at large. But also, uh, I am the host and producer of our companion podcast, In the Seats With, where I sit down with a wide-ranging variety of entertainment industry professionals, and I pick their brain about current projects, state of the industry, how they got started, and so very much more in a light and in a conversational fashion. And we're available pretty much on all podcast platforms out there apple amazon spotify google 
And if you need to find us on the socials, you can find us at In the Seats, uh, pretty much on the major platforms. We're at Apple. I mean, we're at Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr, Letterboxd. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but uh, we are omnipresent. We try to be everywhere. It's in the seats. It's like, oh my gosh, your city TV. That's it. In the seats everywhere. Get a little Mark Daly voice going on there. You, you got it, man. That's it. Find me on Twitter at, at @mindreels. Um, the uh, Facebook page is the Mind Reels, and my homepage is themindreels.com. Or find me on In the Seats as well, where I write occasionally. But yeah, I I cover it all: film, television, books, comics. What you got? Bring it here. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Uh, oh, gentlemen, thank you too. so much. It was so much fun. And as always, you can find us wherever podcasts are available. Uh, and if you go to screenfish.net, you can download Fishing for More, which are some small group questions to help you get the conversation started where you are. But we do have frequent, frequent updates on our YouTube and podcast channels of interviews with industry professionals. We will be back this summer. Normally, we, we take the summer and do something different. But we are going to be back this summer to talk some about the, the films that are out there. And we hope that you will join us for that as well. So again, thank you to you both. And for you at home, we started the conversation. This was Screenfish. Yeah.